Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. There has been quite a bit to talk about this week. If you listen to the show, you know that we do it twice a week, once with Caitlin. We've already done it twice this week with Caitlin. We had an emergency podcast yesterday because the Blue Jays relieved their manager, Charlie Montoyo, of his duties. Subscribe to the show. You can hear me, Caitlin, Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays All-Star, Cy Young Award receiver, who is not here today. Ricky is in Calgary, the West Coast, doing a bunch of Jays stuff. Follow him on social media. You can see what he's up to. So I can't think of another Blue Jays all-star more appropriate, more fitting to talk to today than uh, not actually Dave Steve, but the Dallas Steve. You read him on Sportsnet. You read him in his newly resurrected Dallas Steve newsletter. He joins us from beautiful downtown Temple. I, I shouldn't reveal where his, his location, but he joins us today. My friend, th- it's been I, so long. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you're welcome. I think people know that. I mean, the the, the dead giveaway is me being an Ottawa Senators fan. So uh, so you know, I think it's it's well known that I'm uh, uh, in in lovely downtown Ottawa on uh, near the capital the, city goofball himself. There yeah. is no bigger, you know, the operative word there is being dead, of course, as someone who's an Ottawa Senators fan. That, that's a cheap shot. But, of course, there's lots to talk about with the Blue Jays. So let's do it. Number one, so the Blue Jays are right now, as we record this, we're facing off against the depleted Kansas City Royals. But that's not the big story this week. The big story is John Schneider is now the interim, if nothing else, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I want to know if you think this is the right thing to do or if this is the right time to do it. Uh you know, I, I mean, I don't think that um, I don't think that uh, letting go of Charlie Montoyo is necessarily the cure all for the team. Uh, but I guess with some time to think about it and, you know, uh, of course, I think what ends up happening after they, they let go of a manager is that suddenly all of the stories start to come out and all of the uh, the players start to get a little uh, looser with uh, what they're saying and, and whatnot. Um and, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's possible that, uh, Charlie, uh, had maybe reached uh, a point where maybe things weren't going to get better. I mean, I, I, I like, um, 
you know, I, I, I like the idea of, of who they've put in place. Um, you know, it's, it's someone who has been in the system for 20 years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, a guy, I think who's, who's well integrated into the team and, and whatnot. So, I mean, look, is it, is, is this as important as sorting out some of the patchier spots on the active roster or on the 40 man roster? I don't think so. Um, but at the same time, I guess there is a moment where you say that there's so much that we don't understand that we don't see about what the manager does the stuff that, and it's funny because with Charlie, the, the stuff that, that people would get on him about, like, I, I didn't, you know, I shrugged it off. I didn't really care. Like last week I got told that I know nothing about baseball because I wasn't absolutely infuriated that he didn't, um, pinch at uh, Gabriel Moreno for, uh, uh, for uh, Kevin Biggio uh, against the lefty. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, Kevin Biggio will have a good at bad, uh, you know, it's the platoon advantages and everything, but, um, <clears throat> but that's the sort of stuff that people would, would, you know, latch onto. And I think would take small plays in a single game. And like, you know, years later, people are still talking about Bravik Valera pinch hitting for uh, Alejandro Kirk, you know, it was one at bat as like, who gives a shit, you know, like, but, um, uh, but, you know, I think that the thing that we don't see is the thing that the front office and the players do see. And I think that that position is really a, a position that's very heavy on communications. And I think in observing Charlie, you know, there were times where you could kind of look at the way in which he was communicating things and sort of question how effective he was at that. Now, you know, speaking English as a second language. So that's, that's one thing. And, and, you know, check ourselves before we get too upset about, uh, about what he says, but um but anyways, I, I mean, this is a long way of getting around to the point that, you know, I, I think you just have to look forward at this point. Um, um, you know, I, I think Charlie's a good man. People have said that uh, for the past couple of days. And, and I think he'll get another shot in baseball. But, uh, but you know, if, if they've had the observations that they have and they think it's time to move forward, then, uh, you know, I, I think that John Schneider is a good guy to move forward with. There are a few, I'm of a few minds of this, like a lot of people. I, I didn't expect it to happen like this. I didn't think that the Blue Jays would, the front office would do something that I perceived as maybe rash or desperate. You know, it could because it just seems like a really reflexive sort of, I don't know if lazy is the right word, but just be like, well, we'll fire the manager. But I think when you start to drill into, and you, especially when you get these sort of whispered comments, and you know, Bobichette was pretty upfront. I think Bobichette made a comment to Sportsnet about, you know, maybe it was the right time. Um, the uh, the sense is that Charlie Montoya was there as like the vibes wrangler in chief. He was trying to keep everybody light, keep the keep the mood up, get young players on the straight and narrow, let them understand what it takes to be a professional from someone who's been doing it for a very long time, but in the Seattle series in particular. And I think you saw, uh, you know, Ryan Divish who covers the Mariners and some other folks who, who made comments that the vibes were off. The vibes were bad. Uh, you know, the, the vibes are never good when the team is losing, but they just, it, if he's not able to do that piece that seems so central to who he was and why he was there. And I think that the small, I, I would agree with you. Like 
you know, you can't manage every single game of 162 like it's game seven of the World Series. But minor tactical questions, which I think also have improved, and I think everyone would agree with that, that the, the question that his tactics were less glaring maybe of late as the bunts, the bunts dried up and the, you know, A, number one, the roster was better. So there were not as many Bray Valeras laying around to take at-bats away from better hitters. But if the tactics are, are, are whatever and, and they are anybody can can make pull those levers and, and decide who to use in the bullpen especially when there's nobody back there but if the vibes are bad then then what's he doing and and i think that i've, I've seen and i mentioned with caitlin yesterday scott mitchell uh, wrote about it on tsn today that like people are, are other teams are going to start to circle around john schneider because of his status in the game because of you know what he's done and and if the Blue Jays didn't do it now, then they then they were going to lose him and then be forced into potentially another managerial search. But I guess that leads into the next question, this question that can kind of take us. As you said, it's time to look forward. But as we do look back here, as we're coming up on the All-Star break, do you think that this has been a successful season so far for the Blue Jays, or would you say it's a disappointment? I, I definitely think it's a disappointment. Um, you know, I, I think coming into the year that there was a sense that, I mean, look, uh, the, the tweet that I even thought about going back and searching out and deleting yesterday was the one where I said, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of folks who are going to be really disappointed when uh, Charlie uh, Montoyo wins 100 games this year. Um, but in part, that's because I thought that, you know, the upside of this team was that it could be, you know, a, a 97 to 100 win team. Um there's a lot that falls apart there and, and, and that has, uh, you know, I mean, that hundred win, uh, team presupposed that, you know, Nate Pearson wasn't just a, a, a rolling series of health calamities and that, uh, Julian Merriweather could stay healthy and that, uh, you know, Hyunjin Ryu stayed healthy and like you go down the list of all, all of these things. So, I mean, they're kind of hanging on, uh, to respectability, but this is not, I think, what we would have anticipated. And it's, it's. Uh, I think that you can take a look at this team and say that they've probably left five to seven wins on the table this year. Uh, uh, you know, and and it's funny too because, like, you know, in, in the spirit of it being a long season, I mean, that first month to six weeks where there was a bunch of, I mean, every every game that they were playing felt like a, like super close. And there were some games that they probably won that they didn't deserve to. Uh, but then uh, it's been, you know, there's, there's been a bunch of, uh, of games that they've just, they've uh, given away either with, you know, uh, I, I think a poor approach. Um, and, and, and that to me, I think, you know, even just looking at tonight's game, um, I, I get it that people think you're facing a double A pitcher and you're supposed to just knock him into orbit, you know, every time he throws something near the plate. But but there's there's still some bad approaches. Uh, there's a lot of bad ABs on this uh, on this team. So, um, you know, they, they they haven't taken a step forward from last year. I think that they've they've taken a step back and. And, uh, you know, now the question is, how do they, um, how do they fix it? Uh, is it with, you know, the players that they have playing better or is it with going out and trying to patch in some of the holes that, uh, that they have? I think that's, that's a very fair question. I think that, you know, the question is, I was, I saw somebody was talking about Bo Bichette and Bo Bichette's approach and then what, which has never really been any different than what it is right now. 
he's a hyper aggressive hitter, a guy who likes to use all fields, a guy who goes up sometimes with the plan to go the other way, come hell or high water, for example. But also it's like a, a guy, you know, he, he is who he is. And so this person on Twitter who wasn't, wasn't being unfair and wasn't being, I don't think coming from a bad faith position was like, asking about can how can they fix Bobichet's approach and like to me that's not what a manager any manager is not that's not their job that's not who they are and and i think the uh, the the disappointment and the 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 challenges uh that are presented by the blue jays uh to your to your well-made point which is that they haven't really played that well at any point this year when they were winning games and when they weren't winning games they had like a couple stretches where the rotation carried them and then the offense got hot but they nothing has ever really been clicking at the same time and it's not it's not a, ma- a lack of ability. I think that that you know you can see the talent is still there, but Bo's not been what he what he needs to be. Vlad Junior hasn't been what he needs to be. You know, you're getting a still good but slightly diminished version of in in, in, in some ways George Springer and, and all, but also potentially you know Teoscar Hernandez, a different version of Lourdes Gurriel Junior. You know, the often injured version of Danny Jansen and like the best possible version of Alejandro Kirk. But the offense needs to do more to cover up for some of the inconsistencies and, and struggles and team building issues as it relates to a somewhat spotty bullpen and then, you know, injured and then underperforming rotation. So, I mean, I think that they can, I can, they can and will be better in the second half, even without major, making a major upgrade. Um, because I do think that approach, you know, bad at bad sort of thing. I think that there's enough talent and enough good players that it doesn't take a lot for a couple of them to get hot at the same time and just sort of drag the other ones along because from where I sit, the floor is still really, really high offensively. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that this goes somewhat to the discussion of the manager. Like one of the things that, that I think that I observe about, especially Bichette, but a couple of the players is, you know, when Bichette is really going, he keeps his head down on the ball. And when he's not, then, you know, like if he, that swing that he has, that looks like it's wild. If he keeps his head down on the ball, then he can, you know, be that guy with like an 838, 40 OPS. He can uh, hit, you know, 25 to 30 home runs. Um, when he starts pulling his head off the ball before the bat is even through the swing zone, uh, that's where he gets into trouble. And, and, there's there's a handful of guys you know on the on the roster who I think just in terms of um, who just look a, a bit off and and bringing it back to the discussion of the manager I think one of the things that we don't appreciate about what the manager's job is now is you know when you look, take a look at that coaching staff the coaching staffs are huge now not just the I mean the 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 dugouts are you know filthy with coaches and plus there's a bunch of guys who don't even get allowed into the uh the uh the into the dugout i mean they've got three bullpen catchers at this point they've got like three pitching coaches and three hitting coaches and part of the role of the manager now is to act as kind of the the coordinator of you know both the data that they're getting in and the the the, you know, communicating that uh, through the coaches to the players, understanding, you know, what sort of work uh, they're doing and whatnot. So, um, so I guess that's, that's kind of a question is, is, you know, and, and maybe it was something that uh, the front office would have seen uh, far more than we would have is, is, you know, uh, what was Charlie doing in terms of that sort of uh, coordination of all of those resources and, and was it working? And, and 
And so in any case, and, and, and I mean, when you hear John Schneider and like, look, this is probably, this is, you know, middle-aged Anglo white guy bias, which is just like, he just, he sounds like a dude who can uh, talk a blue streak and just, you know, uh, uh, I mean, he almost has uh, almost a, a Matthew McConaughey sort of thing going for him when he was talking last night at the mic. And and you kind of, he, he said, at one point he says, you know, we just got to keep on keeping on. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm there with you, bud. But, um, but uh, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's some, the team is better than they have shown. And it's just a question of can they, you know, what's the path to get them back to the place where they can be um, in the second half. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Caitlin got some really interesting quotes in in her story today on The Athletic about basically that I wouldn't go as far as to say that that Charlie's like toxic positivity, but sometimes one of the players who, who was unnamed told Caitlin that sometimes you need somebody to come in and kick an ass. And while John Schneider seems to be a very easygoing, fun-loving guy, and that was something that I know Buck and Tabby were talking about a lot on the broadcast. Not Buck. Uh, shout out to Buck. Hope he's, his health has continued to improve. Dan Schulman and, and Tabby were talking about on the broadcast that, and they show some clips of Schneider kind of screwing around and like being really being a little bit silly. Um, but he is a different kind of physical presence as well. And so if he has that ability to sort of turn that switch, um, uh, well, let, let me put the question back to you. On Tuesday night, the Blue Jays ran a lot. There, you see, there's Matt Chapman off on a pitch, and and they're doing a bit of a hit and run. They kind of cut Tapia loose a little bit. I mean, the Blue Jays, some of them, Bichette in particular, are not shy to run. Do you think that was eyewash, or do you think that the that this is something that might help to to help the Blue Jays take advantage of some of the on base situations as opposed to kind of waiting around for the two run home run? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a hundred percent convinced in in you know that uh, hit and runs and those sorts of things are are necessarily the the right approach. I go I go back to Earl Weaver who said, you know, you should never hit and run. You should run and hit. So you run when you think you can get the base, and you and you you know attempt to to hit the ball as opposed to just like throwing a guy out there uh who's uh going to be a dead duck if he if if mm-hmm. uh, the batter doesn't make uh, contact so you know i mean uh, i i will uh concede that i think that 
being active on the bases is something that can uh, change the way that the pitchers approach the hitters. Um, I just got the Howard Bryant uh, uh, biography of Ricky Henderson delivered to me today. So, um, you know, it's not that there's too many Ricky Hendersons on the Blue Jays, but, you know, if you've, <laughs> True. If you've got, uh, if you've got, um, if you've got pitchers thinking uh, about the runner uh, a little bit, maybe that's something that can shake up the offense uh, a bit. And like, you know, it is at a point where, you know, as I walked away from the game tonight, they put one run up on the, on the Royals. And so, you know, I mean, some, something um, hopefully can, uh, can help to contribute. I mean, I, you do have a certain sense that, you know, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, getting, getting, uh, access to the controls for the first time. It's like, let's see what this thing does. Let's, uh, let's see what we can, uh, get this guy to do. Um, which, you know, as far as that sort of running game is one thing I, I think, um, and, and I guess I tweeted at you today is, you know, uh, the lineup changes that I think are changes that, uh, that, that you and others have sort of identified as being something that they needed to take a look at. I think that is maybe, uh, potentially more meaningful in the long term. Yeah. And, and I, I am very much in favor of, of doing some, some things with the lineup. I've, I've also come around on it, uh, based on, you know, two at bats, but I was like, you know what? I think Kirk might be better in the two hole. I think I like Alejandro Kirk hitting second because I am like everyone with eyeballs, love his approach, love him at the plate, love his ability to put the bat on the ball. Um, he's, he's having, he's a good hitter having a great year, right? Like he does everything well. But the one thing I'm, st- I, I will remain skeptical of until, well, until he proves me otherwise, which is that I don't know that, that he's even got the power that he's shown this year. You know, I think he had a, he had a really, you know, rough run in terms of extra base hits at the beginning of the year. Then he kind of went crazy. Um, I love him in, in the second hole because I think that he's, he and then Springer is a good on base guy. Even just tonight in the first inning uh, here, Wednesday night or wait, Thursday night. That's tonight, right? No, it mm-hmm. is today, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, with you know, Springer draws a walk, and then and then unfortunately Vlad uh, hits into a double play, and then and then Kirk you know gets a base hit up the middle. I just think that Kirk's approach to me really is well suited to a to a number two hitter. Um, and then you can have like a Vlad or even head Vlad third, and then someone like uh, like Teoscar Hernandez who can kind of knock the ball out of the park. I just think you know Hernandez and Bichette are are very similar. It's nice to see Guriel kind of evolve in a way which i think gives him another dimension in that lineup which for so long so many of us and i'm sure you feel similarly were complaining that like it was just a parade of the same kind of hitter which makes them not necessarily the most difficult team to pitch against uh especially in the in the late game situation where you've got these big arm goons coming out of the bullpen so i like the idea of like guriel if if this is who he's going to be and kirk kind of offsetting some of those big swinging guys and while you know again we're we're not seeing the real or the best version of Vlad quite yet, so I would really like to uh, to 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 see him help to turn things around. But yeah, when it comes to the base running stuff, I mean, they have the, they've hit the fifth most home runs in baseball, you know, at, at this point of the season. But it, somehow it doesn't feel like enough. <laughs> I feel like they, they should be first or they should be second, and so much of their offense is predicated on hitting home runs. So when they're not coming, as they haven't necessarily been as much. 
um, or when they've been those solo home runs. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not opposed to kind of getting some activity there. The team has prized athleticism for quite a bit, and they do have some some athletes out there. So you know, uh, my broken record thing about Kevin Biggio just being a wonderful base runner. Let him run. Let him, I mean, he's got to get on base, which he has not done of late. But get him out there. Let him run. Let Bo. Let Bichette run. He seems like he's a really effective base runner. So. I mean, I'm all for it. Activity is not productivity, but at the same time, activity can be fun to watch if, if nothing else. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it, it gets, you know, ultimately the goal is to get around the bases. Right. And, and so, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I know I, I'm, I'm the person who worries the least, I think in the world about, uh, runners and scoring position numbers, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, moving guys into scoring position and just, you know, um, uh, not necessarily. So you sort of like, uh, squeeze them around with a ground out and a, you know, a bunt and a ground out and whatever. But, you know, uh, if you got a guy on second, it, 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 it kind of changes the, the dimensions of, of, uh, of a game of an at bat. And, you know, I think one of the things that I worry about at times, like when this team is going well, they're working counts. And when they're not, um, they are, they are swinging at pitchers' pitches and getting behind early. And like you know, like they're they're an aggressive hitting team, and sometimes that's going to definitely work for them. But, um, but one of the things that I think you know, when you talk about Lourdes, and if you were to look through the lineup and say who are the guys who have taken a step forward, I think that Guriel has, and it's in part because he has way more good at bats than he I think ever has before, and and I think that he knows not to um you know not to play into the pitcher's hand uh in the way that he used to even to the fact of you know uh noticing him choking up uh with two strikes and just being like i mean he's a big guy with long limbs if he chokes up like a half an inch on the bat he could still put it out of the ballpark but you know if it just increases his chance of of making contact uh you know it's it, it shows that he's a he's a hitter that is you know, I think, uh, aware and improving and, uh, you'd like to, you'd like to see that, um, you know, up and down the lineup. I, I like, I love that idea too. And I think that Guriel and the way that he's evolved is, is indicative of, there's no one way to define a good at bat, right? A good, good at bats are when you have a good at bat, when you, when you don't swing at pitchers pitches, when you're able to spoil tough pitches, which, you know, Bo Bichette is really good at, he's not going to like, Bichette's not going to walk. I mean, like a lot, even though he just here walked in a very high leverage situation as the game is going on, on, uh, on Thursday night. But, you know, walks aren't the only measure of success, you know, the ability to put yourself in a position to get a hittable pitch and then do damage to it is, is to me, you know, the measure of a good at bat. And if you don't get any pitches and you keep fighting and you, and if the walk is, is, is the outcome, it's a lot better than just swinging for the sake of swinging and doing anything you can to avoid the strikeout. So I, and I think that, yeah, Guriel has, has evolved in that way, not hitting the ball as far as much power, but I think on the, on balance, it's going to make him a better hitter, a more welcome addition to the lineup. And, uh, and, and again, I really, key guy. And as the Zoobs always says, right, when, when Guriel's going, it seems like they're really tough to beat. So if he can, when he, when he gets going, it really makes, really lengthens that lineup and adds, adds a lot of dimension. Speaking of addition, now what are you looking at is that we come up on the trade deadline is about three weeks out. What kind of additions do you, would you love to see? Or can you foresee this Blue Jays front office making here as we come into the second half? Yeah. The funny thing is, is that about 48 hours, I probably, uh, 48 hours ago, I probably would have said, you know, and, uh, 
uh, a Benintendi type is going to be the sort of guy that they should be looking for, you know, uh, uh, a left-handed bat who can be added into the mix and be a middle of the order uh, guy. But, you know, I think as has been established, that's not uh, likely to, to happen, but, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I do, I, it's it's funny because I was just chastising someone, you know, about saying like the platoon advantage isn't everything, but I do think having a lefty bat or or a switch hitter uh, somewhere uh, somewhere in the middle of the lineup, or or even, you know, one of the things that I really loved about the Giants, the San Francisco Giants from last year, was the fact that they almost had this like idea of like a line change, you know, like they would have one lineup. Uh, full of righties. And then, you know, they would have another one that had a bunch of lefties and none of them were necessarily superstars, but you sort of, you know, the way that they won 107 games is that, you know, you, uh, one day you're putting Lamont uh, Wade Jr. out there and the other day it's, it's, uh, it's Yastrzemski and, and they would sort of mix and match. And like, when I look at the Blue Jays right now, they've got a couple of like frankly dead spots on the active roster i mean they've got a guy who is only good to go out as a pinch runner and uh defensive replacement um they've got a catcher who is there only in the most unlikely scenario that one of their catchers gets hurt uh when the other one is DHing. i just don't think that they're making the most of their active roster and i think you know if if they were uh, to f- to find a guy who could legitimately go out there and um, you know depending on who that day's starting pitcher is uh, uh, you know uh, be a middle of the uh, the lineup um, hitter. I think that's a great uh, analogy or a great reference point. Is is that Giants the way that that Giants team worked and and having a guy like late night Lamont who can come off the bench and like provide a, a big hit in by providing a bit of a better matchup. And I, I would agree that it's not necessarily about left and right, but if a left-handed bat is the kind of guy who can get a really good right-handed reliever off his best pitch, for example, if it's like, okay, well this guy's less likely to throw his slider as often because he knows it's much as a big platoon split and it works better against righties, or, you know, for whatever reason, I think that that's big. And I think in some ways the, the tr- kind of well, small T tragedy is that Alejandro Kirk is such a good pinch hitter and he's the Blue Jays best pinch hitter. He's the kind of guy who can do that. And also the kind of guy who, because of his, his ability to put the bat on the ball, he's such a, He's such an asset in, in all in all situations against all pitchers, but he's in there every day. And you know, as you said, you know, he's 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 too good to bench, he's too good to sit. Uh, so you gotta run him up there as often as you can. And but at the same time, that limits options. And you know, what a difference it would make if if Bradley Zimmer could hit even a little bit. Like <laughs> and I mean like hit when the lights are on, not hit, not a four o'clock hitter, like a seven o'clock or an eight o'clock hitter. What a difference that would make because it would just be the the exact kind of shot in the arm that the team needs. Yeah. You know, I, I because I mean, he, th- that's the thing. I, I think I dump on, on Zimmer more than any other blue Jay. And I sort of feel bad at moments. And then you see him out in patrolling center field and he looks awesome out there and he's a good runner. Uh, he's this guy with these like long limbs who just has not figured out how to get his arms and his bat through the, uh, through the hitting zone. Um, and it, it just, it means that you can't reliably 
put him uh, into the lineup. And, you know, it, it means that you've got uh, Rymel Tapia playing a bunch of center field, which I don't know that, you know, he's done okay out there, but, uh, but again, it just, it, it underscores the fact that you've got this, uh, this spot on your roster that, you know, could potentially be held by someone else. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of my, uh, of my dude from, uh, from Buffalo who plays the outfield and second base. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, but you know, there's, Maybe there's Capra? A- uh, no, 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 not Capra. <laughs> uh, uh, no, um, uh, because uh, Capra is on the on the forty uh, player roster, and I don't a hundred percent. Again, that's another one of those spots that I don't a hundred percent understand. Um, I, I guess they've put him on, and and you know now that he's on, that it's it's hard to take somebody like that off. Uh, you know, and Leo Jimenez, who's playing in Vancouver, is on the forty player roster, which I, I need for someone to like sit me down and explain that to me as to as to why that makes sense but uh no it's samad taylor is a guy who i think has Mm, mm, mm. you know has some versatility i mean he's a he's he's a right-handed bat but still it's some versatility um a guy who does bring you know if you if if this is a team that is going to be more aggressive in terms of uh running the bases and whatnot that's a that's the sort of guy i think who could potentially uh help from from within um and uh you know i i think maybe more so than than uh otto lopez who's the guy who is on the 40 player roster and you know sort of occasionally gets a call up to hang out in the barrio and not see any game action so you know i i i, I just i think that i i think that there are some spots both on the 40 player roster and on the active roster that they're not making the most of and for me in the second half, that's the thing that I think that I, I would really want to see is to see them find a guy who maybe has some of those same base running and defensive skills that Bradley Zimmer has, but can like hit, you know, 220 with a 620 OPS or something like, you know, it doesn't have to be that good. It just has to be possible. Um, and, it sounds uh, to me like you are describing the worst case scenario version of Joey Gallo. Like the idea that Joey Gallo can't come in and be an upgrade on Bradley Zimmer is crazy to me. You could not get a, there's no better time to be in the Joey Gallo buying business right now. If you want Joey Gallo in your mix, all you got to do is ask. It's my, is my sense. And sure. He's not going so great last night or right now, or uh, he is abysmal as uh, another way to look at it, but it can only go up from here. He's a talented guy. So I like that you have inadvertently made the case for the Blue Jays acquiring the 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 reviled in New York, Joey, even though he is Italian, Joey Gallo. I think I think he can do it all. He can play center field just as well as Brad. I mean, not as well as Bradley Zimmer, but better than Ramal Tapia. He can hit the ball to the moon if you give him the opportunity. He can draw a walk. He can strike out fifty percent of the time. It's the perfect fit. It was the perfect fit last year and the perfect fit this year, but in a very different situation, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, it's good to hold on to to those guys that uh, you always dream of uh, eventually becoming uh, Blue Jays. And, uh, you know, I, who, who knows? I, I hate to feed into this Yankee thing where they say, like, there's some guys who just, you know, they can't play 
for the Yanks because, you know, they, whatever, there's some sort of mental block or, you know, whatever it is. But I think you get Joey Gallo out of, uh, out of pinstripes and let him grow his beard back out. And I think he'll probably go someplace and, uh, and be a productive hitter again, uh, maybe even an all-star again. And uh, so who knows, maybe, uh, maybe that, uh, that could be in Toronto. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't hate seeing it. Um, I know you would love that, that love that, but uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't turn it away. I am, I am so in deep and I am like just in the, in the, in the, in the weediest weeds when it comes to this Joey Gallo thing, I'm just like leaning all the way into it. Uh, it's mostly because now again, you could get them for a song. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me ask you then. I'm going to put not going to put you on the spot, uh, but I kind of will put you on the spot. Do you think that this Blue Jays team is good enough to to get into and make some noise in the playoffs? Do you think that that's something that, that is again a team that you had you had stated was a was a bit of a disappointment? We had all kind of pegged them for a hundred wins or something crazy like that. Um, still a talented bunch. Do you think that they are? There is enough talent. There is enough opportunity to turn around some of these disappointing seasons and and really be the team that we envisioned they were going to be in March. Yeah, you know, I I do think so. I mean, I think if you understand the context too of them, you know, doing the forty-one games in forty days, uh, finishing up, you know, uh, three games and or five games in seventy-two hours, and then going out to the West Coast, uh, having a major loss uh, in 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 the team and all of that. You know, I mean that it when when we're able to take a step back from this season, we're going to say, yeah, of course, no wonder they went through uh, through the skids at that point. So, um, you know, I, I I kind of like their schedule from here out. I mean. Uh, the uh, dozen uh, or so games that they've got left against the Baltimore Orioles are going to be really interesting now, but 
I do think that there is the talent here on the team at the moment. I'll be really interested to see whether or not if, um, if Ross Atkins catches a little bit of the Alex Anthopoulos uh, syndrome here and starts to look into the void and say, you know what? Um, screw those kids. And like, let's uh, send <laughs> everybody out the door uh, to get um, whatever it's going to take to, to, uh, to pull, uh, to pull this together. So I, I still think that there's, there's the talent on the team to, to be a playoff team. And, you know, once you get into the playoffs, like who knows, I, I, you know, I didn't, uh, I I'm sure I probably would have had, uh, Atlanta as maybe, you know, the sixth most likely team in the playoffs last year to, to win it all. So just get to the playoffs, preferably get the, the home seed, um, as, uh, the wild card, uh, that, uh, top wild card seed, but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think they, they can and should make the playoffs and, uh, once they're in, you know, who knows, but they'll need to build a roster that can play playoff baseball as well. No, that's a great point. I will. I, the other thing I will say, and I, I like Atlanta as an in, instructive example, which is, this is almost, almost like silly and self-referential in a way, not self-referential, but like, in or if the Blue Jays are able to get to the playoffs, if they're able to play good enough baseball that they are there in in come October, those the things that will have gotten them there will make them very very difficult to play in a, in a short series. Because if they don't fix the things that are, if they just kind of keep going along as they have been, then they won't make the playoffs and it won't matter. But if they can get right, if they can sort of settle in on an order that is optimized in a way that that allows them to score runs in a variety of ways to your point to play playoff baseball if they can you know play play good defense and and do a few different things to solidify the bullpen then that will put them in a position to win a lot of games in the second half which will also put them in a position to to beat good teams in the playoffs They're, they have the opportunity to beat the living piss out of any of the teams in the American League Central the Astros have a formidable roster but they also are getting fat playing in the in one of the worst divisions imaginable the Yankees vulnerable the Red Sox vulnerable the Rays vulnerable so if they can get right enough to win more games in the second half than they have in the first I think it, it all of those things are going to lead them lead them to being a good team and a tough team to play come October. Does that make sense? Is that sort of like like an Ouroboros? Like, are we is this are we eating our own tail here? No, I mean, I I, I think absolutely, and I you know it, maybe it's the thing that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better about uh, last season, but you know it's or, or or we hang on to every time somebody said nobody wanted to play the blue jays last year in the playoffs and so there was a big sigh mm-hmm. of relief when they didn't get in um so you know it's going to be the question of where is uh where is that talent going to come from i still have you know this i'm still holding somewhere in my mind or in my heart or in my soul this vision of nate pearson suddenly you know strolling onto a mound in you know, August, September, uh, and into October and going out and throwing, you know, 101, uh, and, and just, uh, shoving, uh, out of nowhere because we sat, we, we've already given up on them. So, you know, if they can get a few things like that, a few guys back and a few guys added and, and, you know, there's really, there is the core of a championship team here. And I think that we, uh, should uh, hold on to those expectations. Uh, you know, 
lots of people in the last week were were throwing their arms up and saying, "I'm done with this team," or "That's it," or you know, whatever. And uh, I've always felt like, you know, I mean, uh, what else are you going to do with a, with your year aside from uh, go down with the ship with your uh, favorite baseball team? So I'll uh, I'll hold on for these next three months and 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 you know, I'll certainly hope that they uh, that there are better days ahead. You can only do, you can, if you do nothing else, it's that. Hope that there are better days ahead. Hope, not, not expect. That's my big thing. My big differentiation with Nate Pearson is hope, not expectations. Anything you get from Nate Pearson uh, is a bonus to me. And I love that idea because that nothing would be, a, nothing, he, he can provide a quite literal shot on the arm uh, of the exact kind of guy that they could use and would benefit from having a pitcher like the idea of Nate Pearson, not the reality of Nate Pearson so far. But this has been a pleasure, my friend. It's always great to catch up with you. I hope and wish the continued best for you. Good health and good times all around. Where can the people find your stuff these days? Tell them where they can get the newsletter and where they can read you. The uh, the newsletter is dowsteeb.substack.com uh, and, uh, and then uh, usually about once a month or so still, uh, contributing, uh, something to, uh, sportsnet.ca uh, when, uh, when I can find the time and, uh, pull something together. So, uh, those are the two places where you can find me. That's amazing. It's so good to catch up with you. Dow Steve, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with a bunch more, another edition of spin rate me and caitlin make sure you uh, head over to the athletic.com slash spin rate and subscribe hit the deal that's out there if you to let them know that we sent you we get a tidy deal we'll be back more ricky romero again next week so big thanks to the dallas team thanks to you for listening hope it's been a decent week we will talk to you next time on spin rate